Welcome to episode 5 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we dive in, I want to ask you to share the show with others. Let them know about the topics being discussed. If you find yourself in a conversation either face-to-face or on social media about abortion, the Constitution, minimum wage, or the resurrection, share the individual episode with your friends. I want these episodes to be a resource for you. And finally, please consider supporting the show with a few dollars. I will plow every dollar I get into marketing the show and trying to expand its reach. See the show notes page for details on how to donate. On with the show. Today I'm going to lay out facts about a historical event, the resurrection of a man known as Jesus of Nazareth. For those of you who are Christians, I believe this conversation will bolster your faith. After all, as 1 Corinthians 15:17 makes clear, without the resurrection, Christianity is nothing. Our faith is futile. For those of you who are atheists, agnostics, undecideds, and anywhere in between, just consider this an ancient history lesson and simply ingest what I share. Perhaps it will change or tilt your heart in his direction. Most historians agree on the following series of facts about this historical event. Number one, no one disputes that the man, Jesus, lived. No one disputes that he preached to large crowds, seemed to perform miracles, spoke with authority about the law of Moses, i.e. the Old Testament, and made the religious leaders very uncomfortable. No one disputes that a man named Jesus of Nazareth died on a Roman cross on a Friday and was buried in a tomb. They agree that his disciples were devastated and scared. Many went into hiding for fear of their own life. It is documented and never disputed that Jesus' body was taken by a member of the Sanhedrin, the council that voted to condemn his death. They agree that the tomb was empty on Sunday. Numerous witnesses testified that they met with the formerly dead man and even ate with him. They agree that the disciples' public testimony and preaching of the resurrection took place in the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus was, had been crucified and buried shortly before. They agree that previous skeptics like James, Jesus' brother, and Saul of Tarsus, or better known as Paul, a man who oversaw the persecution and death of Christians, were both convinced they saw the risen Jesus and were willing to die for that observation rather than to recant it. And finally, most historians agree that the lives of many of these witnesses were transformed as they went out and preached about this man, Jesus of Nazareth. So let's shift now from what is largely agreed upon to the idea of evidence. Whether you are an investigator or historian, the best evidence comes from multiple independent sources rather than solitary references. The best evidence comes from evidence obtained sooner rather than later after the event. The best evidence comes from eyewitness accounts rather than secondhand. Evidence that tends to be embarrassing to the witness adds weight or value to the testimony. And finally, if an antagonist or skeptic affirms a witness's account, it's even better. So as I walk through the evidence around the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, you will note that all five of the criteria I just laid out are met. So what do we know about this historical event? Let's start with the tomb itself. Typically, these tombs were sealed with huge boulders, usually rolled down into a grooved entrance. So in other words, it was easy to seal, but required many men to push 
the, the boulder out of the hole. In addition to this, Jesus' tomb was protected by Roman soldiers, so quote-unquote escaping would have been next to impossible. What do we know about the empty tomb? Do you remember who discovered the empty tomb? It was women. Now, why is that relevant? Why does that add some validity to the resurrection story? Well, you have to understand the standing of women in the first century. They were low on the social totem pole, so much so that they couldn't even testify in court. On top of that, one of the women who found the empty tomb was Mary Magdalene, who Luke described as previously being demon-possessed. So, question for skeptics. If you were documenting this event in the first century, or making it up, would you claim that women found the empty tomb given their standing in society? Would you include among those women one with the background of Mary Magdalene? Likely the answer is no. So we have a tomb that would have been virtually impossible to escape from. We have the same tomb empty three days after the crucifixion. Well, what about the body? Well, no one disputed the missing body. Think about all the forces working against Jesus in his last hours. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, other Roman authorities, and non-believers. However, none of them ever disputed the claim that the body was missing. They had ample opportunity and reason to dispute the resurrection. So, question for skeptics. Why did the Roman authorities, why didn't they just parade his body through the streets? That would have ended Christianity before it even got started. Well, some claim that the disciples stole the body. I think that claim can be put to rest simply by way of the tomb being guarded by Roman soldiers. These guys had everything to lose, including their life, if such an event actually occurred. Plus, we know how corrupt the chief priests were. They, were, they had already lied and you know, lied about Jesus in order to have him crucified. The last chapter of Matthew documents the chief priests trying to pay off the soldiers and say that the disciples stole the body while they slept. So the bottom line is, there is no evidence that the body was stolen, and the people who were spreading that rumor have little credibility. Skeptics often say, no one witnessed the resurrection. Now, that's a fair argument, but it's not very persuasive. No one witnessed dinosaurs either. Not every crime has witnesses, but investigators use clues and testimony to piece it together. Other skeptics claim Jesus' appearance was due to hallucinations. On its face, this appears to be grasping at straws type of argument, but one that never seems to go away. The problem this argument is there's no such thing as mass hallucinations. There are private experiences. Have you ever heard of anyone waking up next to their spouse having shared the same dream? In my mind, the most remarkable outcome of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was how it transformed his disciples. They went from scared to bold in a matter of days. It is very important to reflect on the transformation that underwent these disciples. This same group of people, many of whom went into hiding after the crucifixion for fear that they were next, were suddenly transformed into bold witnesses to the life of Jesus. They stood up to the same authorities who put him to death. They preached in the same temple where Jesus drew the ire of the religious authorities. Question for skeptics. Who would be so stupid? Why would most of them willingly die martyrs rather than recant what they saw? Why die for a lie? 
why invent a story that gets you whipped, stoned, crucified upside down, or beheaded? What accounts for that transformation? They knew the truth. Their truth quest ended when they saw Jesus die and then saw him walk among them. The early Christian churches were founded by people who saw Jesus after his resurrection. That's what changed their lives, and that's what started and grew the church. What an advantage they had over modern-day Christians. They actually saw him. That gave them bold faith they needed to go out and preach the gospel. Peter and John's actions in Acts chapters 3 and 4 are bold. They're defiant. They no longer are afraid to die. They are no longer scared of the very same people who had just crucified Jesus. You killed him, they said over and over again. The changed lives of the disciples after the resurrection is a historical event that must not be glossed over. After the crucifixion, the Jesus movement was dead in its tracks. The so-called Messiah was dead. The disciples were dispirited and scared of the Jewish authorities. Then what happened to them after the resurrection? They devoted the rest of their lives to spreading the gospel because they had seen him crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. They had touched him and eaten with him. Consider Paul's ministry throughout the Middle East and Asia. He stood boldly throughout, throughout, including his trial before Felix in Acts 24. Paul wasn't even a witness of the resurrection. He just quote-unquote had a vision on the road to Damascus where he was going to round up more Christians. Misguided people may die for a lie they think is true, but they will not die for a lie they know is a lie. I want you to remember that. Misguided people may die for a lie they think is true, but they will not die for a lie they know is a lie. Think about suicide bombers who think there are 72 virgins waiting on the other side, or cult followers. What did the witnesses to the resurrection get for their trouble? Ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned, tortured, and executed. Let's examine some of the circumstantial evidence of the resurrection in the form of questions for skeptics. Let's start with, how do you explain Jews living in Palestine under the law of Moses for centuries, ending the practice of animal sacrifice for the atonement of sins, or changing the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, the day Jesus was resurrected, or moving from God, a single being, to a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? These Jews must have seen something to be willing to turn their world upside down. Another question for skeptics. How do you explain the survival and thriving of the Christian religion that started with a carpenter in the desert in the Middle East who preached for only three years, now with billions of followers? People who believed he had risen from the dead went out and testified to the teachings of this risen carpenter in the very city where he was crucified, a city owned and operated by those who were hostile to anything that opposed the law of Moses. As I wrap up this episode, I want to circle back to the dirty half dozen, those six recurring themes exhibited by skeptics, and talk a little bit about how they apply to this topic. Remember the quote by Greg Kokel that I've mentioned in other episodes? Quote, If someone is determined to stick to biases instead of facts, then there is not much I have to say to him. He is stumbling over an obstacle he has placed in his way himself. Unquote. This is known here as the Dirty Half Dozen member number four, the stiff arm. A lot of Christian skeptics tend to start out with the presupposition or bias that there are no such things as miracles or supernatural occurrences. Therefore, much of the Christian message 
is dismissed out of hand because the blinders these skeptics have on do not allow them to impartially evaluate the facts, or in this case, the evidence. They have a commitment to a worldview. Not to get in the weeds too much here, but suffice it to say that they look at Christianity as a hindrance to their current lifestyle. You know, all that talk, often very cliched, about sin, about premarital sex and adultery, all that talk about abortion, drinking, drugs, lying, and hell. Why bother with this thing called Christianity that's only going to cramp my style? Here are some final thoughts. Given the series of reasonably agreed upon facts about the life and influence of Jesus of Nazareth, it is hard to imagine why so many people became and continue to become Christ's followers. However, without the resurrection, would Christianity, the worship of Jesus Christ, even exist today? Non-believers claim that Jesus was a prophet. He was a philosopher. He was a great thinker. Do people build cathedrals and churches for the worship of prophets, philosophers, and smart people? The disciples knew Jesus was who he said he was because they saw it with their own eyes and were willing to put their lives on the line to tell anyone who would listen. I, for one, am glad they did.